Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's take these five Bible verses we've been reviewing and kind of reading in context throughout this week. I've already taught the whole Gospel of John. Uh, I've taught through the whole book of Romans. All those resources are available, but I wanted to look at these five verses in one larger thought and why I arrange them in the order that I do. Feel free to take this and use it any way that you want. These are just verses that I believe help address the gospel context here in Seattle and, and elsewhere in the U.S. Um, when I move, and, uh, when, when I'm on global mission trips, sometimes I'll change these verses around. I'll, I'll prefer to come from a different passage, but I find that in the U.S. where we think we're going to be saved because we're good people and we uh, you know, we're, we're really far from our Christian roots, and now a lot of people are spiritual but not religious, and they feel like there are multiple paths to God. This is why I've chosen these particular verses. We begin with the love of God in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. And then we bring up the unpopular truth that we're all sinners, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And then we apply the wages, the consequences, the outcome of that sin. With Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We've already seen both the wrath that God has for sin and the grace that God has for sinners on display in these verses. John 14.6 is included to counter syncretism, the sort of polytheistic notion that uh, people look at the world faith systems and they want to say that they're all right. All right, they're like a underpaid referee who's like, I don't want to choose which one of you is right, so I'm just going to say everybody's right. And in so doing, they end up giving like multiple answers to the question, what is two plus two equal? Yeah, it equals four, Johnny, but it also could equal squirrel or democracy. It's, it's a, it's a non-starter. And what Jesus offers in and what, not offers, rather states in John 14, 6 is that he is the way, the truth, the life. Now, Romans chapter 10, 9 brings all of it together in a confession that he is Lord. And I know that if someone makes such a confession, they're genuine in their heart, what I've just witnessed in that moment is a miracle of the Holy Spirit of God. So this is one contiguous strain of thought. If you take these five verses and you confess, you know, like you, you believe John 3.16, confess Romans 3.23, confess Romans 6, 23, believe John 14, 6, and then just state Romans 10, 9. I think you're looking at a really solid biblical confession of faith it's straight from the word of God. Kind of preview what we're going to talk about this weekend, but in the meantime, you can, let, you can stew on this. That prayer sounds something like, God, I believe, John 3, 16, you love the world so much. You gave your one and only son. Whoever believes in him would not die, but have everlasting life. Confess, Romans 3.23. I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Confess, Romans 6.23. The wages of that sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I believe, John 14.6. Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. And just pray, Romans 10.9. So, when I present this, sometimes I'll include the words by the Holy Spirit, just as a reminder of 1 Corinthians 12's context for Romans 10, 9. By the Holy Spirit, I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And then we just pray a proclamation of belief in what the text says, you will be saved. 
So we believe, John 3.16. We confess, Romans 3.23. We confess, Romans 6.23. Believe, John 14.6. And then Romans 10.9 takes us home. Present the gospel with these five verses. And then when you're praying the prayer with them, you're not introducing new information. Do you remember the teacher you used to have who'd give you a test and then like there's new content on the test that wasn't covered during the lectures? Like, ah, what was that? Okay, don't shock them because when they sign up to pray with you, you don't want it to be like Universal Studios attraction where suddenly things turn to go, tend to go awry, <laughs> All right? Rather, no, you present the gospel with these five verses and then you pray those same verses. You are giving them God's word and they are in accordance with the original context speaking God's words to God. I think that honors the Lord. This is a different animal completely from what throughout the, like the 70s, 80s, and 90s was called the sinner's prayer, where you invite Jesus into your heart. All right, that's a, that's a, this, is a different, this is a different animal. This is proclaiming your belief in, in John 3.16, confessing Romans 3.23, confessing Romans 6.23, professing your belief that Jesus meant what he said in John 14.6, and then taking Romans 10.9 beautifully, spiritually, literally. That's a great way to both present the gospel and then, like we'll talk about next week, pray to put a flag in the ground where they can look back and know, I profess to God. I told him I believed John 3.16. I told him I confessed Romans 3.23. I confessed Romans 6.23. I professed my belief in John 14.6. And I literally did what Romans 10.9 says. Because you know what's going to happen when this person is led to Christ? The enemy is going to poke holes and doubt and cause them to question. Oh, yeah, but did you really mean it? And they'll be able to say, no, 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 no. My friend who shared the gospel with me took me to Romans 10.9. And it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says it right there in my Bible. That's the exact words that I prayed. I know that's a miracle of the Holy Spirit, and they have spiritual confidence, not based on an emotional state, but on what the Bible says. So this is a fantastic way, I believe, to share the gospel and then pray with someone to receive Christ. Yes, that's right, friend. I want you to evangelize and actually bear fruit, all right? I don't want to just give you these tools so that you can put them up like a mantle on your wall. No, soldier, you're at war, and this is your weapon. This is how we obey the Great Commission, or at least one way we can do exactly that. Take these five verses, adhere to them yourself, share them with someone, and like we talk about this weekend, pray these with someone. Are you ready? Go make disciples.